Thank you very much. Number 17. You're nearly at the end, everyone. We nearly made it. It's been a lot of fun to do this series, actually. As speakers, we've really enjoyed um, pulling together some of the resources um, and spending time focusing on the stuff that helps us live life to the full. And that's what this series has been all about. If you're just joining us or you've missed it before, you only have 16 podcasts to catch up on, so it shouldn't take you very long. Um, for those of you that haven't met me, my name is Nick, and I'm one of the pastors here. Um, and it, honestly, today makes me very, very grateful to to be able to be one of the mums of Ashford Vineyard. You know, I, I feel hugely proud of what this community has achieved in the last 10 years. Uh, when Chris and I moved here to plant this church, I don't think we could have ever anticipated um, what God would do. Uh, we came reluctantly, uh, fairly insecure, fairly unsure of whether we had what, what it took, um, but we came open-handed and, and God has done incredible, miraculous things in this town. And what I love is that he's only just getting started and there is much more to come. So as I've said, we're doing life coaching. Uh, we're on number 17, which today is called Uncluttered, which I do think is a little bit ironic on Mother's Day, that I'm not sure many mothers would say that their lives are uncluttered just by the nature of having children in them, especially if you have young children. Um, if you've ever stepped on Lego, this talk is for you, that thing of where there's just stuff everywhere. So we've been looking at lots of different subjects um, that help us to think about how we can live life to the full. And today I'm giving a nod to this man and this book. Uh, this is a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry uh, by a guy called John Mark Comer. Uh, Chris mentioned it last week when he talked about Sabbath. Chris said it was one of his top 10 books that's helped bring transformation. I would absolutely agree with that and I would highly recommend it. If you were all in the room and the bookshop were open, we'd stack it up so that you could buy them. But you can go to your book vendor of choice uh, and, and buy it from there instead. So I'm also going to be giving a nod to an article written by our good friend and our overseer, Jason Clark, who released an article just two days ago called Hitting the Covid Wall. I'm going to reference that, uh, and the book Simplified by Bill Hybels. So um, I always like to be transparent when I stand up here with a microphone so that if I say something really profound and wise that was somebody else's that you don't think, wow, she's good. Actually, I'm just quite good at pulling together other people's wisdom and helping present it to you. So this morning we're talking about uncluttered, and you don't have to go far to find a conversation with a friend or loved one to hear the words exhausted, overscheduled, overworked, anxious. You know, these words sadly are defining our communities. They're defining this nation and many, many other nations as well. And this article that Jason wrote a couple of days ago about hitting the COVID wall showed that actually even within a time of lockdown and when our diaries have been effectively emptied out, these things are still very, very real. He says this. He uses a really big word at the beginning, and if I pronounce it wrong, just be gracious to me. Uh, the exigencies, is that how you say it? Great. Of COVID have led to much more doing, not less, for so many people, not just ch church leaders. I have never worked this hard, apart from when I was bivocational and planting our church. The tidal wave of decisions was and remains unrelenting. Decision fatigue is a real thing. 
so are all the other types of fatigue, emotional, mental and physical. And coming out of COVID, there is not less doing on the horizon, but much more to attend to. Even kingdom opportunities take consideration and mobilisation. I think I probably was quite naive in this season of thinking that when we got locked down and where we couldn't meet together, that life would get quieter and life would be slower. And I think it's many people's experience that that's not true. And I'm sure there are some people who've experienced that exact thing. But for many, it's just not been the case. And we still hear this message of exhausted, overworked, overwhelmed and anxious. Thomas Kelly, who was a Quaker teacher, put it this way. He said, we feel honestly the pull of many obligations and try to fulfill them all. And we are unhappy, uneasy, strained, oppressed and fearful we shall be shallow. For over the margins of life comes a whisper, a faint call, a premonition of richer living which we know we are passing by. And certainly for me, the most challenging thing about that quote is the second part, which is one of the hardest things about being in a place of exhaustion or being overwhelmed is this sense that there might be another way. I don't know if you've experienced that, that almost that fear of maybe there is a way that it doesn't have to be like this, but it's just like out of reach. You just can't quite get to it. But that's exactly the kind of life that Jesus talked about, that other way. It's exactly the way that he invited us to live. He says the opposite of exhausted, overburdened, overscheduled, anxious. That's the opposite of the message he brought about how we can live. I love the message translation of Matthew 11.30, which says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. How many of us say, as people trying to follow Jesus, that we know the reality of that? Freely and lightly. It's kind of in the core of you calling out. It's possible, but it feels far away. And you would have seen that Ashford Vineyard over many, many years uh, has been built. Really, the, the foundation, the vision came from one verse. And John 10.10, 10, the John 10.10 10 life, it, is, it shaped this series of talks. And it says this, The thief comes only to, in order to steal and kill and destroy. This is Jesus speaking. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. But I think we get a bit confused sometimes and think that abundance is a word that means more stuff. Abundance means more. Like surely if we want abundant life, we have to have more, do more, discover more. But actually that's the opposite of what Jesus was talking about. His teaching on money and stuff or possessions is some of the most radical teaching you will ever find. And it flies in the face of everything that advertising, marketing and the media and the culture tell us. The culture tells us, have more and you'll be happy. Have that thing and your life will be fuller. You know, all, there's so many adverts out there. 
You know, the Domino's advert out there at the moment that effectively tells you if you buy Domino's pizza, you'll all sit around the table sharing it happily and laughing together as a family. That's not our reality in our family when Domino's gets delivered. It's more about counting the slices to see who's had the most. And you had a bit of my pizza and I want that dip. But the advert tells us, buy Domino's and you'll all sit happily in harmony together as a family. The marketing and media world tell us more, 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 and then. Except what happens is we fill our lives with more, 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 and we feel just as dissatisfied, and in fact, more exhausted, more overwhelmed, and more anxious. Jesus puts it this way in Luke 12, verse 15. He says, Be alert and guard your heart from greed and from always wishing for what you don't have. For your life can never be measured by the amount of things that you possess. See, Jesus' life was marked by simplicity. He lived a simple yet hugely powerful life. And simplicity isn't really about minimalism. Simplicity is about keeping the main thing the main thing. And in the book, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, John Mark Comer says the main thing is made up of three elements. He says it is these. Life with Jesus, our key relationships, and the assignment that God has given you. If we keep that the main thing, if we keep life that simple and unclutter everything else that gets in the way... There is a free and light, abundant life waiting for us. But too often, those three things get totally pushed aside because of the clutter and the busyness and the stuff of life. Now, I'm going to show you a quick video now. You may have seen this illustration before. I'm a visual learner. If I see something, I remember it more than if I hear it. Um, And this little video is going to just show you some of the essence about keeping the main thing the main thing. This is your life. Looks pretty full, doesn't it? That's because it is. It's full of all the things you'd be incomplete without. Love, family, food, water, health, your parents, your passions. With all of these things, you could have nothing else and still lead a full life. But even with all of this, you'll still have some space to fit more things. Smaller things. This is your job, your car, your house, money things that are still important but if you took them all away your life would still be full if you're watching this video that means you're lucky enough to have at least some of these things but if you're really lucky and many of us are you'll still have some space left over these are the really small things watching a movie playing a video game sports ice cream things that make your life that little bit nicer but things that are really just trivial in the end. If you wanted, you could try to put these things first, wasting your time in front of the television or the computer, playing games, or whatever it might be. You could follow it up with the material things, money, cars, houses, clothes, but then when it comes time to try to fit in all the important things, you run out of space, some things will have to be left out, and nobody wants that. So keep that in mind as you go through life. Put the really important things first, and then find space for the rest. If you run out, it really won't matter anyways. 
You may have seen that before, but every time I watch it, it's just as powerful, right? It's the same set of stuff. It just depends what you put in first. And what I would add to his demonstration is that, that actually those three things, a life with Jesus, your key relationships, and your calling or your purpose in life, they're the big things. If you put those in first, there's still space to have loads of other things, but you just have a different perspective and a sense of living more lightly. But I think with a talk like this, the danger is, and it certainly is a a danger for me, personality type-wise, is that I'm like, great, what do I do? Like, give me the what I do now thing. But actually, before we consider the what do you do, I think we have to consider the why. Why Why do we put the things in in the wrong order? And Bill Hybels says this beautifully. He says it like this. Simplified living requires unflattering your soul by examining issues that lure you into a busy life. Eradicate the things that don't matter and build your life on the things that do. See, what he's talking about there is that actually it's so much about your identity and how you feel about yourself that lures you into this busy, cluttered life. If I just had that, maybe I'd feel more beautiful. If I just bought that thing, maybe I'd look more successful. If I just had that thing for my family, maybe my kids would feel like I'm doing a better job as a mum. And actually, if we don't examine the issues of our hearts, we can put practical strategies in it all day long, and after a week or two weeks, we'll be berating ourselves for the fact we've just filled our lives back up with stuff all over again. And for Chris and I, we have been on this journey of exploration, of trying to slow down and simplify, and as Chris talked about last week, to Sabbath, to take some time and some rest as well. And I'd love to say that we have found a place of lightness and freedom. (laughs) Not yet. Uh, What we've actually found is that you have to be so intentional. Rather than it feeling like this, let's just sell everything, clear the diary out and sit and meditate all day, actually what it feels like is a constant string of hard choices, hard decisions, choosing to say no to things even though you might like them or they might be good things in and of themselves but they're not the things that are filling you up and keeping the main thing the main thing. I'm going to briefly touch on a story we find in the Bible where we see Jesus giving a little course correction to a friend of his. It's not a telling off, it's not a you should be doing better It's this beautifully gentle course correction that says, what if there's another way? And that's in the story of Mary and Martha. And in this story, Jesus is traveling. At this time, Jesus's life would have been very much bombarded by interest. He would have had a lot of people wanting a bit more of what he had to offer. And he withdrew to the house of good friends of his, Mary and Martha. It seems from the story that he probably came fairly unannounced. It wasn't something that they knew was going to happen weeks in advance. And Martha invites him in, and we pick up the story here uh, in Luke 10. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their journey, they came to a village where a woman welcomed Jesus into her home. Her name was Martha, and she had a sister named Mary. Mary sat down attentively before the master, absorbing every revelation he shared. But Martha became exasperated with finishing the numerous household chores in preparation for her guests. 
So she interrupted Jesus. This is how exasperated she is. She's interrupted Jesus and said, Lord, don't you think it is unfair that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? You should tell her to get up and help me. The Lord answered her, Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by these many distractions? Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted, and I won't take that privilege away from her. If you have a sibling, you may recognize this this little interchange here, where Martha is busy doing stuff and saying, hang on a minute, why am I doing all the stuff? And actually, I generally find this church, uh, this uh, This story in churches, I find it quite annoying when people speak about this story because naturally I'm a bit of a Martha. And basically what happens is an indignance rises up in me that says, uh, yeah, but if there were no Marthas, no one would get food. You know, and I have this whole thing that's like, well, somebody has to do the cooking. You know, if we were all Marys all day long, sitting around not doing anything, then that wouldn't get anything done, would it? That's That's the natural Martha in me. However, what's happening here is not... Being busy and working, bad, sitting still, resting, good. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, of course we need to do things, we need to work, we need to work hard, but you need to put the first things first. You need to know that in that moment, Martha missed it. She missed an opportunity to sit and put Jesus first and get revelation from him because she was too distracted. It wasn't that what she was doing was wrong. It was just the wrong moment. She'd put those things first and she'd missed out on that opportunity. So if we want to make progress in this, if we want to see our lives change to be free and light, you know why? I think for me, definitely the case in life, if I want to put a change in place, I have to understand what's, why it's worth it. Because if not, as soon as it gets hard, I just go, ugh, and then I give up. So I have to keep my eyes on the prize as to why it's worth it. And I'm going to quickly touch on the reasons why, if we keep our life cluttered and hurried and busy, we will not find a lightness and a freedom. And the first one is this. Too much stuff is a distraction to our mind. Too much stuff means you're trying to get your head in too many places. Colossians 3.2 says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Some experts who've described clutter, one expert described it as this, anything that interferes with the life you could be living. (laughs) What a definition of clutter. Anything that interferes with the life you could be living. And I think the best way that I could demonstrate this to you, if if you've got so many things your mind is focused on that you you can't hear Jesus' voice, you can't see what he's inviting you into, you can't find that sense of ease, is in this image. I don't know if you've ever done these as kids, these Where's Wally images. I'm going to take this down in a second. If not, no one's going to listen to anything I say because you're all going to be looking for Wally. You can get this on the the video later and you can try and find Wally. But this is Where's Wally. You're... It's going to take you time and energy to try and find Wally. And I feel like what God was showing to me as I was preparing this is he is hiding himself for us, not from us. And if we fill our lives with busyness and clutter and hurry, what we'll end up doing is we can't find him. 
We can't hear his voice. We can't see what he's doing. We can't hear his cheers of well done. Because what's happening instead is our minds are just distracted. Now, I'm going to ask you, if you're at home, you can do this in the comments. If you're in the room, you can do it in your head. There are 153 days of an adult's life is spent looking for lost items. Okay? So, 153 days... I said to Chris when I was preparing this, it's much higher in my life, I have to say. I don't think I'm an average person for this. But in the comments at home and in the room, I want you to think about what you think the top two items are that people spend the most hours looking for. Have a think about that as we move on to this, which is number two... So number one is too much stuff is a distraction to your mind. Number two, too much stuff is a drain on your time. 153 days searching for lost items. If we have more stuff, it just takes up more time. Just maintaining stuff. The more stuff you buy, it's not rocket science. The more stuff you buy, the more stuff you need to maintain. The more space it takes, the more time you need to spend organizing it. It just takes up your time. And Ephesians 5.15 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise. Make the best use of your time. Make the best use of your time. Having so much stuff that you can't find anything is not a good use of your time. And for those of you that have played at home and in the room, the top two items are sunglasses and car keys both of which I've spent a disproportionate amount of time looking for. And thirdly, too much stuff is a deception to our heart. John Mark Comer says, atheism hasn't replaced Christianity, shopping has. He says, Amazon is the new temple, Instagram influencers are the new priests, and money is the new God. Atheism hasn't replaced Christianity, shopping has. This drawer of, if you want to live a full and happy life, just buy more stuff. Buy more stuff. It's this deceit to our heart that says, if you have more stuff, you'll feel safer, more secure, you'll feel more valuable, you'll have more worth, and it is deception. And Jesus calls it out in Matthew 6. He says, don't keep hoarding for yourself stuff that can be stolen by thieves. Material wealth will eventually rust and decay and lose its value. What does he say to do instead? Stockpile heavenly treasure that cannot be stolen. Stockpile the things of heaven. And then a little warning at the end, for your heart will always pursue what you esteem as your treasure. What do you treasure in this cluttered life? Is it making the main thing the main thing? Jason Clark, in that article I mentioned, puts it like this. It means scheduling less and aiming at less in the face of the need to do more, which is an act of declaring that God is sovereign and I am not, to discover what he is doing in my world and then take part in that. Like I said, it's not doing nothing. It's not selling everything you own and sitting there in a posture of worship all day long. I mean, for my personality type, that actually would be like a complete nightmare. Like sitting still for two minutes is hard for me, let alone like having a lifestyle of sitting still. But God made me this way. He didn't make me to sit still. He made me to go out and be active. And it's not about a lack of busyness. It's about a lack of not doing the things that distract, but instead focusing on my heart and the adventures he invites me into. 
It's that way round. He invites and I show up is the way that I want to live. Not I show up to everything and he's over there saying, Nick, I'm over here actually. That's not the way that I want to live. And I really want to, want to, I'm going to give a very quick practical idea of something you can do this week. But before I do, I've been really struck in the last couple of weeks by speaking to people in various contexts, some from locally, some not, and finding that in this season of COVID that we're in, that thing that Jason talked about, the wall, I am increasingly finding that people have lost any sense of joy in the thing God has invited them to do, the assignment, their calling, their destiny, their purpose, because it's just felt like it's got added to their to-do list. The very thing that God has designed us to come alive in has become so overwhelmed and crushed by the other stuff that it no longer provides the joy that it was meant to. And the danger is that we then start to lay down that assignment because we say, I haven't got the energy. I'm just too tired. I just don't think I can do it anymore. And that's the thing that goes because everything else just crushes it out. And this isn't condemnation. This is not for a minute me saying, well, you need to sort your priorities out. That's not this at all. That's not my heart. My heart is saying, that he is inviting you, he's whispering to you, there's another way. There's another way. And he's drawing you into a relationship where he stands with you and says, give that other stuff to me, put it down, unclutter it, and then put your eyes on me and I'll show you a way to live freely and lightly. So there are a stack of resources and things that you, if you're like me, that you'll be like, now tell us what to do. Like, there's a load of things. And actually, this is a little plug for Talk Plus. If you haven't watched them, these are little five-minute videos that get released after these talks where the speaker gives you some resources and ideas and activities that you can do to activate the stuff that you've listened to here. So in my Talk Plus, after I've done this, I'll film it. There are... um, There are loads of ideas and activities I'm going to give you, but I'm going to focus on just one very quickly, which is literally uncluttering your house. There we go. can see some nods. I'm like, yes, uncluttering your house. And start small. Start small is how I would say. John Mark Homer suggests that you start with your wardrobe. He's like, start somewhere practical, start with your wardrobe, and then move on to other spaces. And he says you need four piles. Pile number one is give it away. I think I might have this on a slide, actually. If it's there, then that'd be great. If not, don't worry. Um, There we go. Number one, your pile is give away. Pile number two is sell it. Pile number three is throw away or recycle. And pile number four is wait. And the reason the wait pile is there is for the things that are too, you're too emotionally connected to that you know you probably haven't worn for about two years, but you can't really give it away yet. Or the item that you bought that you told yourself was going to be the beginning of a new hobby, and then you never used it, but you can't quite admit to yourself you're still not going to do the hobby. That's the wait pile. And then in six months' time, you come back to the wait pile, realize you're less emotionally connected to it than you were six months ago, and then you can get rid of it. Um, So that is what I'm going to encourage you to do practically. Start with your wardrobe, then move into each room and just create piles. 
I tell you what, there's a load of charity shops that are going to be opening up in Ashford soon that are going to be very, very grateful for your uncluttering because they need to make money and they need to make money for their charity. So this is brilliant. This is a great opportunity for you to serve Ashford and unclutter your life. So that's it, really. That's what I would say. There's many, many more things I would say. But I would invite you, don't sit and miss. Don't be Martha where you're basically just missing out on the moments with Jesus because you're cluttering up your life. Unclutter your mind. Make the main things the main things. A life with Jesus. (coughs) Excuse me. A life with Jesus. My word, I'm so uncluttered in my brain. I can't remember the three things. Tell me, have you been listening? Let me put them up. Here we are. A life with Jesus, your key relationships and your assignment. Make those the main things. And that, I think, is the, the antidote to the anxious, overwhelmed, exhausted life that we lead. So let's stand, and I'm going to quickly pray to finish. Father, I thank you that rather than inviting us into a, a relationship which relies on us getting stuff to make us feel whole, you hold everything within you that gives us access to wholeness. You hold everything we need to live a free and light life. And we ask that you would help us find those unforced rhythms of grace where we make you the main thing and we have the courage to unclutter our houses, our diaries, our budgets so that we can put you front and centre And if, as we pray, you're you're watching at home or you're in the room and you have never encountered Jesus in that relationship where you say, I want to put you first, this is a great moment to do that. And I'd encourage you to pray with me, Jesus, I put you first today. I invite you to be the main thing in my life. I invite you to come and bring transformation with a type of abundance that doesn't rely on stuff. Thank you, Father. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.